Hello world, we are Sarwa and Sofia. We are honored that you're embarking this journey with us. Coming to you from across continents in early Sunday mornings. We are here to talk to you about life, love, self-worth, relationships, hardships, motivation, career, creativity, and everything in between. So make yourself comfortable, grab a cup of tea or coffee, and enjoy your early birth talk. Assalamu alaikum. Hello, everyone. So, uh, today there is yet a new voice with us, and it's Medina. Welcome, Medina. Thank you. Shukran. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So, Medina is going to be with us today, and we are set for this uh, final series in our uh, podcast to be talking about something that we were always thinking about, that was femininity and being a woman. So Medina is here to walk us through her own experience of being a woman, an artist, and I might say spiritual <laughs> gangster as well, if you let me. Thank you. <laughs> But then again... <laughs> I'd love to hear from Medina who she is. <laughs> well, I'm so honored by that introduction. <laughs> And uh, I always, uh, I don't know about the spiritual gangster, but <laughs> thank you. Um, I always feel uncomfortable with the label of artist, but I guess that's the only category I kind of fit in. So I will, I'm going to begin to own that. And, but yeah, my name is Medina Trevathan. I'm so happy mm -hmm. to be here. We are happy to have you. you. Thank you for accepting our invitation. <laughs> It's not my even pleasure. the guest time episode, but we thought who's better to talk about women than <laughs> women themselves. So we're so glad that we're opening up this series with you. I'm so honored. Thank you. All Thank right. You so much. Alhamdulillah. So you have one unique path, right, so. Sophia? And, <laughs> and you want to get a little bit uh, of insights about that to understand a little bit how you got to where you are today uh, and yeah just how you you grew up and built the personality kind of character you you're in today mm. um, so we know that you're a mixed race child if that Uh, if we can say that, um, how would you say that yeah. your origins um, impact actually your current life? It's so funny because I think for many years, um, especially I, I grew up in Spain. I grew up in southern Spain. Um, I moved there when I was five or six. And... It was funny because in, in, the, in the south of Spain, I feel like the remnants of Morocco is still really there. So a lot of people were actually probably more dark-skinned <laughs> than all three of us put together, which is really funny thing. Um, so I definitely didn't feel when I was in Spain that I looked different to other people. Um, but I was like very starkly aware that we were Muslim and the village that I grew up mm -hmm. in was Catholic. Hard, like hardcore like classic mm. Catholicism, which was very heavy and dense. And uh, the village I grew up in was, um, we moved to this particular Spanish village. It had 2,000 inhabitants, <laughs> which is crazy now that I think about it. We moved there because there was a Muslim 
crazy, crazy coincidence that this happened. Um, but we moved there for the reason that there's a Muslim Sufi center there called Alqueria de mm. Rosales. So uh, that's the reason that we moved to this village. It was a, like a 10 minute drive cool. away. And it was really like as a child living between two worlds, because on one hand I was, you know, attending school in this like very Catholic heavy town. And then we'd go up to... Um, to Rosales, uh, so much, so much of my time was spent there. And I was, now I understand it, having this really uh, beautiful, deeply spiritual experience as a child that I've only just in the last maybe two years comes to come to terms mm. that I was having it. And I wasn't then, then I was more starkly aware that I was Muslim and not Christian and that I was English mm. and not Spanish. <laughs> I wasn't really that conscious of like my American and Pakistani roots. I didn't, I don't really remember as a kid being particularly bothered that I was Asian. I was like, eh, cool, whatever. <laughs> it was when we moved back to England when I was 10 or 11 that I became really aware like, oh, uh, I'm Asian because in England being Pakistani means a whole other mm. mix of things. And uh, school was hard and um, I definitely felt it very, very much then. And I remember I, in many occasions I would pretend I was Spanish because I spoke Spanish. Um, and I don't particularly look Pakistani, but my name kind of gave away that I wasn't exactly yeah. uh, white. So there was this definitely this feeling in school a lot. But um, I was kind of hip, I was kind of cool because, you know, I was Asian, but I lived in Spain, so it was kind of okay. And I definitely played into that. And uh, I was actually writing to a friend recently and just saying that uh, I have been ignoring the big rift that being mixed race chords for a long time I ignored it and kind of put it down to like you know western this kind of diaspora thing that everyone's obsessed like I'm, I'm I long for home and I'm, I'm so cut off from home and who am I I kind of brushed it off as like uh, uh, individualism um, and only recently kind of allowed myself to be like okay this is actually really painful this uh, not coming from the same place and growing up in, in many other places as much mm, as it, as it mm, is blessed it is really mm. it's really difficult so only now am I just coming to terms that uh it's really strange coming from yes. two very very I mean, very very different families so I mean it's Pakistan like all the way to Pakistan and in the middle it's Spain yes. and wow <laughs> yes. but that, that's that's um the struggle uh, yeah. i've been reading a lot yeah. uh, about um second generation immigrants like those who are in the united states but are originally from iran like those kind of dichotomies uh, like the lipstick jihad if you know this book mm. and i just felt felt sad for them because mm. you don't feel like you belong anywhere at the end of the day and then probably you belong to the community of the mixed people <laughs> if there is such a community <laughs> Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. And when I look, like my closest friends, are also mm. all mixed race. So my closest friend, she's Irish Iraqi, which I really resonate because mm. it's just so mm. doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah, but mm. I'm so grateful for the mixedness, wow. even though it is mm. lonely. So what did you learn from it? Um, throughout this entire journey I guess something that is really interesting that you were saying is that at the beginning you didn't really realize it and I guess when we were children we didn't really we aren't that conscious about what we are and how it defines us in society but at some point we start learning about ourselves through the perception of others 
uh, of us and that could be quite tough as you said because it depends a lot on how other perceive others perceive you and decide to define you but at some point um i guess um once we get a little bit more um, conscious and adult, we start to define those things for for us and find the silver lining and how what made us a little bit different and probably struggling when we were children and, you know, the weird kiddo at school or whatever um, actually starts resonating and making, uh, making us the most special person and is actually the thing why we are so proud of ourselves right now, right? Do, do you... Mm. yeah 100% 100% agree um I think the first time I realized like I think that the, the Pakistani part really like set in was when I was in school I must have been maybe 12 and there were like these three Pakistani boys that would always pick on me a bit and they didn't realize I was Pakistani and then one day I told them and they never ever bothered they started being nice to me afterwards and that confused me so much so I really uh, really was like you know uh, ripped from one world into another world and then suddenly becoming really aware like okay I'm I'm Pakistani here but then when I go to other places it doesn't matter but when I'm here it does matter and and I think that uh Afterwards, as I grew up, 16, 17, 18, I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter that I'm mixed race. Um, so I was super lonely in school. Um, and it wasn't until I went to university where everyone was brown and mixed race that I was like, mm. oh, this is so cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it def I definitely feel grateful for what it did. And I think for too many years, I was just kind of with the tagline that was like, yeah, I'm just so happy because I can move between a few cultures I'm really happy but I was really ignoring mm. the pain of it and I was just saying like yeah, mm. it's fine it's all good so I think what I've learned is that you really have to allow the pain to come in and just sit with it and face it because I did a lot of as and I don't blame myself a lot of suppression of pain of being the different one or wherever we went I was always the odd one out and I think that uh, that actually made me feel very sad but I kind of my psyche kind of protected me with arrogance, so I could be quite arrogant. But in the last two years, as I was saying, that's kind of faded away, and I'm just sad sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but alhamdulillah, it's really a lifelong journey, so inshallah. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Looking, looking forward your, your feedback yet another time, like in 10 years or 20 years, inshallah. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Grace, inshallah. Yeah. You're welcome to come back by that time, <laughs> inshallah. Yes, we'd inshallah. love to do a check <laughs> on you. <laughs> inshallah. So you mentioned like during uni, uni days, it was more like mixed and diverse and so on. Is it related to your major, what you choose as a, as a, as a path or... I think so. I think that the university, um, I don't know if I mentioned it to you guys, but it's maybe some of your listeners will know it. It's, um, it's SOAS, it's in central London, and it's kind of known for having a very, 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 very high rate of like ethnic minorities in the UK. So it has a lot of Muslims, it has a lot of uh, international students. So for me, it was going from like um, very white Buckinghamshire where I grew up, where I was one of the only brown people in class to suddenly being thrown into a university that was so completely diverse and the courses were so particular and unique. Like you can learn like Swahili in my university. It's like one of the biggest things that you can learn. It's a super kind of alternative uni. So my course, uh, 
my major didn't really make a difference because all the courses were weird. <laughs> so it doesn't, <laughs> but I did, uh, I'm, or I'm still doing uh, Middle Eastern studies, but I had a, uh, I kind of tried to focus it uh, by picking my modules more to do with Islamic art. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I guess it did it in, a, in, a, oh. in kind of a way. It was more the university than my course. Hmm. Do you feel like you, uh, or maybe when uh, did you feel like you can uh, canalize all of your experience and your childhood experience um, coming from different places, having gro- grown up in different places as well, into maybe making art and letting be that results of which... Um, you know, everything that you went through, let it be the Sufi sessions in the Muslim Sufi Center in Spain or uh, the adversity situations you had when you were in the Catholic town, whatever. And how is art the way you, maybe if that's your thing, I mean, the way you express all of that and you bring all of that experience in? I think that, like, I do express it, maybe not in something tangible that you can pick up, but more like right now, like how I'm telling you guys what happened and also just through the kind of beautiful journey of being able to look back. I also do see that as a kind of expression. I also journal a lot and I've journaled extensively about these things and that really for me does feel like art, even though it's just for myself. I haven't yet kind of, or maybe I find it a bit of a cliche to do the classic thing of like uh, split in two represented in art. Um I think more than Yay anything. To that. <laughs> yes. Um. I think more than anything I've been because of this huge split and everything there's very few people or my community which I really connect with and is they that inspire the art or their p- particular lifestyle that inspires the art. Mm. Um so yeah, so that I guess in a way it has <laughs> because through that big tear of being mixed race in the middle there's this beautiful group of people and it's more them that that my art is inspired by so yeah in a way <laughs> beautiful I so agree mm-hmm. I so agree on that I, I believe art is more the way of living how you, you can just live in a certain way and at some point two hours okay now I'm gonna do art a hundred percent you know, agree. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember there was a friend who was telling me, you have a certain way of pouring cho- hot chocolate that looks like <laughs> art. And I'm like, yeah, you got it. That's so beautiful. <laughs> that, it's so true. It can really be in anything. It can be in the way a woman raises her family or the way a woman chooses to work or so many, so many, mm-hmm. so many ways mm-hmm. it, can, it can be art. Um, I just, I wanted to say that to put an an image to the talk, I think we are going to share your Instagram page for listeners to check it, and so oh, they can see you. what it feels like living uh, <laughs> between boundaries, living mm. not belonging but belonging, like at the same time, mm. which is really great. I mm. think so. There is that is where you find inspiration for your art, right? Yeah, um, oh. definitely from the women in my life mainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I really had to think when I saw this question where do I find inspiration I really find um, uh, inspiration from my own experience um, or the slight kind of encounters that I've had with with the divine and that sounds like I've done so much but I haven't just a very sometimes mundane <laughs> experiences are really inspirational but it's mainly 
I would say the love that I have mm-hmm. with my sisters and I mean sisters in a, in a broader sense and also um, I love mm-hmm. the idea of taking something a medium which is very kind of used for one thing and you and doing something different with it so for example if you do go on my page you can see I've done a lot of kind of experimenting with henna and um, I initially and I love traditional patterns and I love like traditional Moroccan patterns I think they're beautiful um, but once I kind of felt like I'd done that I wanted to, to do weird things so like uh, you can see my page I did like a pomegranate and henna which isn't mm. usually something people would do they're quite like okay no henna has to be like floral or geometrical so you can't do anything else so I do like that taking something uh, and changing it doing something new it's like the calligraphy when I had the idea of embroidering it I was like I haven't really seen this anywhere else but like on the Kaaba you know they have mm. the beautiful embroidery calligraphy on the mm. cover, mm. so I was like, I want, and it's so cool, like because I've had about I think three instances where people have said to me like, oh because of you I started doing uh, embroidered calligraphy, and I think I just fainted out of like just mm. so much joy that <laughs> that someone mm. had done that. I was mm. so happy, uh, but yeah, I'm inspired by so many things. I like, I don't want to I don't want to carry on babbling. <laughs> mm, no. <laughs> It is interesting. Um, yeah. But I, I want us to, I would like you to share with us, you know, um, we were talking about a mundane experience, but that still is transcending, you know? Like, how does that feel like for Medina? What is it, for instance? Um, I find that sometimes when I'm cooking uh, or when I'm walking, I had a really uh, beautiful uh, trip with a friend uh, this time last year. And I really found it. We were up high in the mountains near Granada in, in Andalucía. And uh, a lot of the community that I love is, is kind of based there. Um, the town is called Orjiva. And I really found that like being up there in the mountains, I was with my closest friend. Um, there really this thing of like the mundane becoming so completely sacred was really present. And I felt very kind of in tune and inspired there. And we mm. kind of we lived very slowly and everything felt so long and beautiful. And we'd make these like slow meals and long breakfasts. And it was really, we were really on the same wavelength. And uh, Tell me about really this community things. again. The community <laughs> there is, subhanAllah, they're amazing. <laughs> so it's kind of, I don't want to go on too much because it's a bit of a long story. But uh, there's a, I think the biggest, uh, don't hold me to account to this, but there's a very large Naqshbandi community there that settled there, mostly Muslim uh, reverts to Islam. Mm-hmm. And uh, my father and mother are kind of part of this community or wider community before I was even born. So I have people there that I really like saw me growing up. Um, the lady who I'm named after lives there, Medina Whiteman. Um, Mm-hmm. so many just so many beautiful people in one place and it's really like a sacred place there's like a vicar every week on on Jumwa. and uh, yeah I had a really sacred time there I, I really trying mm-hmm. to convince my husband to inshallah <laughs> for us to move there um, no, but it was really there that the mundane really became so special mm-hmm. like I remember walking mm-hmm. and a little I was walking down one of the lanes it's really like you're walking and there's just a massive mm-hmm. mountain in front of you it, it almost makes you want to cry when you're just you're just walking down the road and I remember this little like dog appeared out of nowhere I was on my own and I really knew like this was a special dog or like I was being guided somehow and that sounds so weird but it was just so beautiful just to walk with him um 
and yeah just small things like that I really mm. after that trip I really created a lot and it's kind of memories that mm. I return back to a lot um mm. that trip and I kind of long to and I have days sometimes that are similar to those and uh yeah yeah and that was very mundane mm. but really beautiful it, it touches me to the core because I have a deep um, love for Granada. I've been oh, there with my sister once and we just fell in love. Really, it's really, really, a whole a other subject. Place. It's really a special place, subhanAllah. And there's mm. really some amazing women there. Wow. And men, but there's women there that are just... And in Granada as well, so... Mm. It's so cool. <laughs> so cool. Amazing. I think that I think that has experienced something similar. Although she... You told me about when you were walking down the streets there by night and you can find the extraordinary in the ordinary if you take the time to feel it mm. Mm. my god i'm so moved to the core i cannot even talk about it yeah i remember i was with my sister <laughs> that that was a special moment yeah uh. I mean, obviously visiting um alhambra was i don't know somehow his it just, for the first time, it felt like, oh my god, this is Muslim history. And I've never felt that before because yes. no one really traveled in other Muslim countries. And maybe, yeah, I think that was the first time and it was very, very strong. And I remember that night we we wanted to see Alhambra by night, so we went there. <laughs> it was something between the colors of um, the earth and earth you know earthen walls and the greenery of uh, the trees and the light that comes up from you know from that just that shows little details of Alhambra mm -hmm. and you're strolling and you're coming back and first you go up and it's I know it's something <laughs> magnificent and as you were saying divine you don't know what's going on in you but mm. it's not I, I guess it's not just the beauty of the place but um, something blissful, yeah, uh, feels in, you mm. feel like the, that place is blissful and, you know, just much bigger than you, reminds me, reminds you of the divine, reminds you of the <laughs> history of, by the way, the little um, skyline over there is Alhambra unfinished. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's beautiful, mashallah. Mm. Spain is really special like that. This really, really mm, special. For sure. That's amazing. So, yeah. I, I think it's on my yeah, it's on my that. list now. I've been to Madrid, but Madrid has nothing to do with the south of Spain. I guess it has nothing to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Really. Now you have to go to to this someday. Inshallah. But I thank you so much for sharing that, Salo. That was beautiful. <laughs> I know how, exactly how you feel. <laughs> I can relate, although differently, but I can relate. <laughs> um, so you, I understand Medina that you take trips whenever you have the artist block. Then, I mean, and you cannot. Okay, don't <laughs> okay. Trip, this is fun trip. because I don't. I I loved this. Uh, I loved this question about the artist block because I, I really do, after when I when I read your guys's questions, I really was thinking like. This whole thing of the artist block is really comes from like uh, not honoring the cyclical nature of mm. our creative mm. lives. So um, this block that people see is just the winter. And if you see your creative cycle as seasons, it's just the winter <laughs> in, in, your, in your cycle. And you don't, I think the worst thing you can do when you have the block is force it. Mm. You have to let go and just surrender 
and uh, really honor that block. I don't think any time that I felt that I want to do something and ideas aren't coming and I can't think of anything new and I don't want to do anything, I just leave it. I really just rest in that space and I understand that uh, la chispa or the, chis the, 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 the spark of mm -hmm. um, your creativity, it needs to go up and down like the great cycles of life. You can't force the... You can't force yeah. anything. And please don't ask me more about what I'm about to say because I've just started <laughs> getting into it. But um, for those women, uh, I know not all women have periods, but for those women who have periods, I think that uh, I've been doing a bit of research into how your cycle is really, again, like the seasons. And uh, the winter time is when you bleed. And it's really a time for inwardness and for uh, reflection. And I can never create when, I have my, when I'm bleeding, ever. Mm -hmm. The place where I find the most creation coming is right after ovulation. So I track my cycle and uh, and yeah, I'm trying to get more in tune with that to like live more cyclically. But I really don't, I hate mm. this thing of the artist Interesting. block. <laughs> it's really, need to just let go and, and let it, the block happen, it will. I, I'd love to, to take a look into data. Um, I'd love to, to take a look into data and see if there is a pattern and... Let us know if you need volunteers. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> to track the, the thing and we can activate I can, that. I can <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just I just track yeah. my cycle with an app. Um, but I'm kind of getting more trying to do more in depth now and uh, I can recommend afterwards some books that I'm reading that kind of talk about the magic. Oh yeah. Yeah, yes, love we, to. It's yes, all about so, womanhood yeah. Yeah. around here right now. Yeah. So yeah. Yes. It's yes, very interesting. Yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see. Uh, I'm gonna make sure. You know, I'm gonna be more conscious about that next month, um, as related to creativity. Yes, yeah. but it's very interesting. Definitely awareness. Thank mm. you. That's really in the core of womenhood and femininity, right? Hmm. So okay, difficult question. Yes, uh, a lot of people think that I'm good with transitions. Uh, I think that. I, in this one, I think I am too. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> okay. Um, no ego. Anyway, so uh, there was this, the hardest question I think in the whole deck that we sent you was, so what does femininity mean to you? We can start by defining femininity and then let's talk about the other one, womanhood. So what is it? What does it mean to you, Medina, to be feminine or femininity like? It really means, um, I think I would describe femininity as uh, uncovering or revealing or allowing your instinct to guide you. And I think that's really what it means, what femininity means, to be completely at one with your natural instinct. And the feminine instinct is really something very unique and is very different to a man's. I'm not trying to say men don't have instincts, <laughs> but the feminine instinct is truly, subhanAllah, something that Allah has gifted us in a different way. Um, and it really also means strength and adaptability and... Uh, I really think power and I I try and let go of this kind of very Western. I feel like this is one aspect of femininity, which is gentleness, caring. I really feel this is an essential part of being mm -hmm. feminine, but I also don't think it's, it's you know, mm -hmm. completely ba bound to that. I think that there's a lot more to femininity than just being like the, mm -hmm. the, the, the figure of a mother. 
um, which I think has been so much pushed in the last like 300 years that femininity has been reduced to like uh, a thin white woman who's just overly sweet and super kind and really loving mm. and takes care of everyone. <laughs> so I just think that's such a limiting way to view femininity. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think it's a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Yes to that. Can we just take a moment to... <laughs> Can you say it again? Like put it in eco in the editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, please. <laughs> that would be the first part. Okay, so uh, womanhood. Mm-hmm. What is it, womanhood, for us all girls? Let's brainstorm about this. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I, you go first, Safia, okay. please. I'll go first, but that doesn't mean I am I, I am right or something. But this is my personal take on it. So for me, one thing that you mentioned about femininity that I don't see it related to womanhood is the instinct. Femininity is more about the feminine instinct of what to choose and how do you proceed in in life. I think I think of the feminine as more liquid, while I think of the uh, masculine as um, how can I say crystalline. Crystalline, something like that. Mm. Uh, I understand. (laughs) You see, so for me, uh, feminine is the power, it's like the same strength of water that you can take any shape and you're not Mm. supposed to be uh, strong in the the classic definition of strength, which is... uh, Yes. La dureté, which is to be uh, hard, okay? Mm. Mm. As for womanhood, it's more like related to your natural condition, like you're born a girl, a woman, so... And then you get to choose if you want to nurture this instinct, because what happens nowadays is, as you said, there's a lot of, um, I'll say, uh, false truths about how you, you are a woman and how to be feminine, that I think for me, I would define myself as feminine more than defining myself as a woman, like in, the, in today's language anyway. So that's my own personal take on it. Mm. Don't know what do you think, girls. Mm. I don't know. I'm still struggling with the term like womanhood. It makes me more think of like the um, the kind of mm. more like superficial aspect of like a woman's life, like uh, being born, like uh, just being born, being raised a woman. Uh, is mm. she gonna work? Is she gonna have kids? All those boring questions. Like I think that's more what I mean by womanhood. But I would say I definitely definitely identify both with woman being a woman um i really hold on to that and the femininity as well and i think that i was i was going to make the point that i think that uh, i've met some and i really think that everyone has like masculine and feminine within them and that finding that balance is really an incredible thing but um yeah mm-hmm. i definitely feel like a woman <laughs> Definitely. And I want to join those two things, that beautiful thing you talked about, like the liquid. I want to bring Mm. that into the superficial part of being Mm. a woman. And I think they're all connected. That's beautiful. Mm. Um, For me, it's it's very similar to what you've been saying. It's very simple for me being a woman is is a question related to gender. Are you a woman or a man? As for being feminine, it's a question related to the energy that you bring in. And as you said, for me, being Mm. a woman or a man, both come in with both energies, feminine and masculine. And you're balanced Mm. as a woman when you have feminine energy that is much more important than the masculine one, and vice versa for a man. (laughs) So, 
Yeah, yeah. that would be. It. I guess womanhood brings in a little bit uh, mm-hmm. the 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 side the status side and you know the picture side of it. Whereas women yes. is just the gender yes, part I see of what it. You mean. Not in yeah. Yes. I see what uh, you mean. That could be a whole subject <laughs> some, sometime and get a little bit deeper. But I myself am yeah. learning about all of this Yeah, it could be stuff, a whole podcast. Yeah, lately, so. Yeah. But it's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. Mm. Me too. So how, now that we know how you define your feminine energy and we've, we've talked about the flow, um, the liquid parts of it, how do you feel that that um, inspires or shapes or dictates your way of living and doing art as art is a way of living Mm. so it being a woman is like or having getting in touch with that femininity is it like i would hope it is at the core Mm. of everything that i do so again returning to the thing that i was mentioning before about living cyclically like living with the seasons and living Uh, really in tune with your menstrual cycle I really think that it's or I'm beginning to learn about the importance again of 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 your menstrual cycle and how um, tuning yourself and understanding it can really be a key to a lot of creativity and um, I really think that when I was young and I first got my periods, I had excruciating periods, like absolutely excruciating. And I still do sometimes. And I remember when I was 16, my periods got so bad that I, my mother took me to get some reflexology, which is something that you can do on your, like a therapy for your feet that affects the whole body. And I remember for the first time, the lady who was doing it to me, she told me, she was like, when your period comes, don't fight it and don't be angry with it. You have to submit to it. It's a beautiful mm. gift that you're getting. And when you tense up and you're angry with it, it's going to hurt more. So I remember the next time that my period arrived, I just breathed and let it go and welcomed it. And it was still painful, mm. but it was <laughs> much easier. <laughs> so I really think that in that thing that happens, mm. it happens to us every month. Like, how crazy is that? Mm. It happens to the woman's body every month. And I really think it's a submission to Allah mm. to submit to your cycle. Because the modern, like, capitalistic yeah. thing is like, no, you have to carry on. Uh, drug yourself up as much as you can so that you can just carry yeah. on and carry on. Pregnancy is an inconvenience. Periods are an inconvenience. And it's, it's so sad because succumbing to it is just really a, such a and I feel so blessed that I've been able to have periods in my life where I just the first day of my period I don't talk to anyone I don't want to know anything mm. it's really a sacred time really really a sacred time so the feminine more and more is being shaped by my menstrual cycle and also again as I mentioned before um, just how inspired I am by the love that I feel with my with my friends and with my sisters it's really unlike a love I've ever felt for a man or anyone mm-hmm. that's a man the love between women is really something different so that's really huge uh, it's really shaped my path <laughs> gang 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 <laughs> that's true <laughs> agreed mm-hmm. agreed and I, I thought i thought that when you go into the reflexology and surrender to your periods then it would be less mm-hmm. uh less of a pain but I don't think it was. <laughs> no, no, it does get better. That was just the mm. beginning. Now it's so much easier. And it's all to do with like sugar and food no. and so many other all things. Right. But now having that, I'm much better. But it, it's still, if I've had mm. like a bad month where I'm stressed, all the stress stores up. And then on yeah. the day of my yeah, period, yeah. it kills me. 
because I, yeah. I haven't been taking care we'll of myself. experience that, I yeah. guess. True. So true. Now I make sure, thanks to the uh, app, the tracking app, that when it's near, yes, I really focus on a lot of self care and especially physical self care. Um, yeah. And I w- welcome the period with a special yoga session that mm. really does a lot of. Oh. Um, uh, how do you say that? You 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 work a lot on your back pain, your yeah pelvis and, and your back, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and that yeah, helps a open. lot with the flow, with letting it be, and not you know being in a whole cracky mood yes. and nothing is going into the right yes <laughs> spot. But it's so understand. <laughs> Please, please send me that yoga. Please send that to me that yoga. I think, I think this episode will come with uh, episode notes with a lot of links mm. and references. Yes, um, I think it will. I don't, I don't know about you girls, but I have like some sort of built-in program. So whenever I am sitting and having like a big, big, big piece of chocolate or cake or something, I'm like. Oh, that's the time of the month. So it's like more of a craving, like it's unconscious. I don't feel it. But then I'm just like, I don't understand why am I sitting and having like this huge piece of cake? Why do I want it? <laughs> that <was an> exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yes. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Okay. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> so Medina, if you have to name one thing, like only one thing about uh, the the benefits probably or the best thing that happened after you invited the feminine in your life, after you accepted and you surrendered, what is it? Um, this sounds so like cliche and cringy, but it's really helped me um, kind of show up honestly as, as who I am to other people. Mm-hmm inviting the feminine in my life has really allowed me I still feel I'm still working through it but I don't feel ashamed anymore of when I meet someone just showing up fully as I am uh, don't mm-hmm. try to pretend to be someone that isn't me or I don't try to be something that I feel society would like mm-hmm. me to to perform as so inviting mm-hmm. the feminine has really given me like a strong shield and a strong mm-hmm. sense of like I know and I, I did just that, that I know, and especially when it comes from men, any kind of disregard or any kind of disrespect, it really blows over my head in many ways because I'm like, for so many years, we're like socialized into like thinking that men, you know, hold the monopoly on, on power and on truth. So when you invite the feminine in and you meet a man that doesn't understand the feminine, I don't care what he says. I it really doesn't bother me or affect me. So it's really given me strength. <laughs> I think that's oh, what it's great. done. Great, great. Salwa, that reminds me of what Oprah said. Like it's it was out in our review this morning. <laughs> that is, uh, when you know who you are, when you're not ashamed of who you are, when you know where you, what you want, you stand in wisdom. Hmm. So you know how to pick your yes. fights. Then. <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. Wallah, when I meet a man and they kind of, you know, when people are having this whole debate of like (laughs) women's place in Islam and it's like, I'm like, what what, what do you mean women's place in Islam? It's so sad that that we've come to a point where that has to be, we have to talk about that in a way that's Mm -hmm. like saying, no, women do have a place. Like, it's so sad that we've reached that point Mm -hmm. because women's place within Islam is inherent. So when I meet a man that, you know, 
doesn't know what he's talking about in terms of woman. A lot of the times I don't even bother. I'm not, I don't have the energy right now to educate you and you're not going to listen anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Some people see being a woman as like a disability, which is yeah. weird. Anyway, no, sorry, Sandra. Okay. I was just going to say one sure. something funny, like, where do I begin? <laughs> like, when you meet people like that. <laughs> yes. It's so true. Before, it would bother me so much. And I'd be like, no, you have to read this and do that. And you have to. But now I just see it and I really feel sorry for them. I'm like, because the feminine wisdom is missing from mm. your life as well. And I, really I blame sad. their mothers. For me, like, I internally judge their moms. I'm just like... Uh, okay, someone no, didn't do their well, job. Well, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. But other times, no, but well, I've met mothers who are amazing and their sons are just... It is the society as well, like, seriously. There's only so much you can do. So uh, speaking of religion and Islam, I it reminded me of this movie or documentary that came out a few years ago that was called... Islam in women, and not the opposite, women in Islam, as we usually hear exactly what you were saying. And, um, which, which I find, which we should watch it sometime together, Sophia. Um, so t tell us, I'm very curious to know how, for you, religion actually nourishes your femininity. And, yeah, Islam, spirituality, all of that. I think I could like probably talk about this for like five hours, <laughs> but I'll try and condense you. Yeah, um, I really am at my heart right now in my life. Anyways, I'm very much a perennialist, very deeply mm. so. So I really would like to preface by saying personally for me, I really think that there are so many ways to access Allah. Of course, I'm much more biased towards Islam much, much more biased towards Islam over the other Abrahamic faiths. But I really also think that who am I to, uh, you know, limit someone's uh, access to Allah by saying you're not Muslim, so how can you experience God? Um, so I really think, again, the religion is such a part, an essential part of being feminine because even the word Islam, like submission to the to the one, to the beloved, to the divine, is so much a part of, a woman's life and I don't mean submission to anything but God I don't mean submission to men or to the patriarchy I really mean submission of the heart and submission mm -hmm. of the nafs of the ego um, and again as I keep banging on about <laughs> even our cycles as I was saying earlier really the essential lesson is in submission and so is for example pregnancy um, the act of giving birth is really a sacred act of submitting to the will of your nature, of your fitra. It's really such mm -hmm. a powerful aspect of uh, being a woman. And I think yeah. it links so directly with Islam and with faith. Um, mm -hmm. And as well, just uh, the feminine is wild and the feminine is true. And I think that Islam really, really, really that's at the core of islam so i'm like how can it not be <laughs> like yeah. like it's so it's so for mm. me anyways it's so clear and obvious that mm. i almost don't have the words Duh. to say <laughs> yeah, <all>. true. <laughs> like a little bit stuff at allah yeah. a little bit it's it's really it's really a big part of it i remember reading the perennialists medina and just going straight to the 
point where they are going to mention feminine and women. I'm just like, give me what you say yes. about this. <laughs> and that's how I might be able to judge mm-hmm. you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I, I think I learned a lot from them too. I'm not going to say I'm like, I'm a big, big, huge fan as you are. I mean, uh, I used, it was also a part of my life that life happened now. But definitely like having that um, saying that there are many, many ways to access the divine and the beauty is really liberating, actually. I, I, I think yes. so. Yes. And 100%. This, yeah. And, and this part is really essential for our femininity. Like when you know that you are part Islam in women, as Selwa said, um, that this brings us to one of the uh, I think one of the craziest questions I love to ask, we love to ask, to be honest, it's okay. So now, you know, like we know a little bit about how do you uh, see religion related to femininity and anything. So but what do you do with it? What is it in your purpose? What does it uh, mean to your big, big role in life? Mm. What is your purpose in life, Medina? I think um, for me, really, it comes down to living as, as a Muslim and uh, of remembering God. I would say that's at the core, inshallah, of what I hope is my purpose in life, is remembering where I come from at the end, inshallah. at the core. Um, but otherwise, so many things. I really want to. I really want to. Again, be around other women, and I also would love to, in some future. I don't know what Allah has planned for me, but I would really love to be able to support women in their journey of knowing themselves. I also would love to. I love working with children, so I really would. I really feel a strong connection with children, and I pray, inshallah, that Allah blesses me with with children. Inshallah, who I would homeschool. Like I was homeschooled because I really feel that the homeschooling that I had from even though it was one to six, I was only homeschooled till I was since I was a baby to six years old. It really has set the path for me. Um, mm. So a huge part of what I'd love to do is serve other people. All people, children, I really love that. And as well, mm-hmm. just uh, being secluded in a way, being very inward and kind of being hidden <laughs> because I really think we're like at the end of times. So I'm kind of just want to be somewhere in the in the wilderness with my husband, inshallah. Um, but yeah, definitely back to just remembrance. Really, mm-hmm. I hope that I can grow up to be one of those old ladies who's just always doing... The Quran is always in prayer, inshallah. Mashallah. And to create, and to create, and honor my my cycles, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Yeah, Mm. you reminded me of the Kali Yuga. So you two think we are surfing the Mm. Kali Yuga. Hmm, nice. (laughs) (laughs) This stuff is inspiring me a lot of uh, subjects for the before dawn meditations, and uh, so I'm I'm loving it. (laughs) I'm loving it, yeah. Makes me think of uh, some poetry as well. Yeah, I'm gonna dig into that, and uh, we're gonna link all what we're talking about with the extra episodes. I think it's gonna be really cool. Inshallah, we wish you all the best with your journey, your spiritual journey, your creative journey. You're really such um, a bright spirit to talk to. I've had my like a smile that's stuck in here, and I'm gonna have. you know, some pain <laughs> later, but it's okay. In my face, it's really beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Salwa. Thank you so much. Shukran. Just Thank really, 
Alhamdulillah. Thanks for letting mm. us into your space. Thank you for coming to us yeah, and sharing with thank us. Thank you so much. I'm just thank so honoured that you guys even wanted to speak with me. <laughs> no, we are honoured. We are honoured. <laughs> Seriously. You. Thank you so much for the lessons we learned today. Okay, I think that's... Uh, Thanks for listening to our talk. It. We had a good thank time recording listening. it for you. Let us know what was your favourite part. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to join the Birds family on Instagram. Please be upon you all.